Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. So I have a confession to make. In a series all about not letting emotions rule you, today you have one of the most emotional people speaking to you. I am the woman who cried when I saw the Olympic torch go through Ipswich. The Olympic torch. I cry at baptisms, weddings, adverts, movies, books, sporting events, music, our national anthem. You name it, if there's a vague sense of emotion to it, including stress, then I'm likely to cry, which I have to tell you has made a fair few of my bosses uncomfortable at times. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I'm right there with you, Emily, because like me, you're highly attuned to your emotions. But I'd hazard a guess that for the majority of you, you'd sit somewhere in the middle of me, and my husband, who in his own words described himself as feelings repressed. But whether we're highly in tune with them, blissfully unaware of them, or somewhere in the middle, emotions have the power to rule and ruin, to build and destroy. And I think that's the case particularly strongly with today's emotion of envy. Hands up here, those of us that are on Instagram, and hands up if you're on Pinterest. Now, before you think I'm going to slate either, I'm not because these have become a main source of so much positive information and ideas for me. But even the best tools in the wrong hands can cause damage. Because hands up here if you ever look at either of these and feel somewhat lacking. Well, I do. Because it's hard to look at images like this when you're living with this. The difference between the two leaves me feeling lacking. Now that might not seem that bad because let's face it, we can't always live in a house like this and I do actually need to clean and tidy. But this comparison trap that we fall into between what we see on Insta or Pinterest or TV or even in person and what we experience in reality can create a sense of lacking, of inferiority in more than just our homes. When we compare what we have with what other people have, it can leave us feeling lacking in our job, our family, maybe even our spouse, our children, our body, our own selves. And it changes us. It changes me for sure and not in a good way. There's this one lady that I follow on Instagram. I don't know her, but I kind of picked her up at a leadership conference. I heard an interview that she gave and I was intrigued by her brand, her message and at what she was achieving through her preaching, her online presence and her fashion range. She's a Christian leader who's in her early 20s and it is phenomenal what she's achieved. And yet, as I scroll through her pictures, 
I'm not pleased or celebrating her. I'm analysing her. I'm critiquing and, and silently judging how many photos she posts of her daughter, how much time she must spend on social media. media. I'm critiquing her positivity message, thinking that that's unsustainable. I'm looking for cracks, looking for the baby weight, the reality that I feel sure must be behind those pictures. And I find I'm not celebrating her or the amazing message or the amazing things that she's done and achieved or the hope that she offers so many. I'm judging, entirely judging. And every time I click on her Insta story, I get a little self-satisfied smug boost from thinking, somehow I am better because I appear to be more real than her, because I have more life experience. I know the reality of life. And I watch her posts and stories and I'll wait for something bad to happen so that I can smugly go, see? I mean, how mean is that? But really, if I'm honest with myself, I'm jealous of how together she seems to be. Jealous of all she's achieving at such a young age, how sorted and grounded she is. And I can't seem to believe that anyone could possibly be that sorted because that's not my experience of life, of me, of family. So I watch on, intrigued to see if the seemingly perfect persona will crack, all the while believing in my mess that I am better, more tuned into life than she is. And all of this is with someone I have never met and who has absolutely no clue that I even exist. Now, for you, it might not be Instagram or Pinterest, but there will be somebody. It might be a celebrity. It might be a friend, maybe a friend of a friend, maybe a family member, someone that you can kind of casually ask after or look up or check in on in whatever way you know how. Someone that you compare and judge and determine how you're doing in light of how they're doing making yourself feel better or perhaps worse. You see, envy, looking at what someone else has physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, maybe even spiritually, and comparing yourself produces one of two things. A belief that what I have and who I am is not enough, or it breeds the belief that what I have or who I am is better than what they have or who they are. And no matter who you are, no matter what you have, no matter how in tune you are with these emotions, neither of those things is healthy. And very easily, this comparison game that we all somehow can't help but play, it takes control and it corrupts who we are. It robs us of our freedom and ruins the most valuable things to us, our relationships. King Solomon, who Johnny mentioned last week, said to be the wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus, that's Solomon not Johnny, he said this, envy rots the bones. In fact, the whole proverb or wise saying says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. In other words, when we're envious, when we're focused on someone out there and what they have, what they've done or are doing, who they've raised and how smart their kids or grandchildren are, how cool their car or clothes or life experience is, Solomon says, don't kid yourself. That's not just a small thing. It will rot you from the very inside out. It will rot you to your very core. Why? Because envy breeds resentment and resentment breeds hate. And hate, well, Jesus says hate is almost as good as murder. And it's not just the material things that envy eats away at and rots. 
Envy seeps into all areas of our lives, eating away at us like a disease that rots and destroys. You can envy people their time, their health, their loved ones. You can envy the people that you love and value the most, all because you envy them something that you don't have. I have to be so careful to not let envy and resentment build up between my husband and I over who has more on their to-do list, who has less free time, who's most busy, to not envy the time or experience that the other has with our boys. Because as soon as envy creeps in, it kills and it destroys the goodness. And here's the joke. Most of the time, we're comparing ourselves and we're competing with people who have absolutely no clue that there's a competition at play. And the winnings at stake in that competition? Well, it's either a sense of arrogant pride that we're more successful or accomplished than them, or we get to achieve a sense of depression, a deep sense of lacking, of not matching up because we feel like we've fallen short. Both, both of these things destroy relationships. There is no positive side to envy. It will make you a not very good friend, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, cousin, child, brother or sister or whatever it might be. And we have to learn to stop being ruled by envy. But it's not that easy because we don't really mean to envy people, do we? We don't set out to do it. It's not like today I'm going to envy my best friend at work because he gets recognition when I didn't. It doesn't work that way. It just sort of creeps in and rears its head. And Jesus, as Johnny has said over the past two weeks, Jesus tells us that's because it comes from within. It comes from our hearts. It comes from the fact that we are human and fallen and it's part of our human fallen nature to compare and to allow our self-esteem to be built upon what other people are doing as opposed to what God has said about us. But if we don't want it to rule us, if we don't want envy to corrode away at us and rot our bones, then we need to do something. And King Solomon, in his writings, he gives us a place to go. He gives us a place to go mentally when we find ourselves drifting emotionally towards envy or comparison or jealousy. You see, he gives us an image we can play over in our mind so that we can say over and over and over again, envy, you are not the boss of me. This is what he writes. He writes, I saw that all toil, that's all work and labour, and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. In other words, even over 3,000 years ago, Solomon could see that people just like us were competing with each other. All their achievements were the result of wanting to outdo each other. And so Solomon, the wisest man outside of Jesus, he says, this is ridiculous. This is meaningless, he says. I saw all this toil, all this achievement spring from one person's envy of another. And this too is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And this is the image. This is the image that we can play over in our mind every time we feel tempted to compare and to be envious. I want you just for a moment to hold out your hands. No, seriously, whether you're at home or watching wherever, hold out your hands. I promise it's nothing weird. Now I want you to try and catch the wind. Try and catch the very air around you. It's impossible, right? We can't grasp it. We can't get hold of it. It's just air. If you or I were to chase after the wind, it's a pointless, meaningless pursuit with absolutely no end. There's no finish line, no peace, no end point, no substance to grab hold of and be satisfied with, and definitely no end satisfaction. It's like an unquenchable appetite, a pointless activity chasing after 
the wind. And that's what Solomon wanted people to realise. Envy, chasing after something, working hard for something, perhaps even for somebody, is pointless because who is it actually ultimately for? Because if it's to be better, faster, nicer, smarter, bigger, then there will always be another er around the corner. We've talked about this before, about how when we compare ourselves, there's always an er just around the corner that can outdo what you have. Even if what you have was never about being better, but just about being the same as everyone else or enough. You see, when we compare ourselves and try to live up to an almost invisible standard, an, standard, an image on Insta, an idea on Pinterest, someone's amazing home or body or fitness or lifestyle, we end up chasing after the unquenchable, chasing after the wind, because it will never end. There will always be another image, another idea, and a new way of looking or being or living that you need to live up to or be better than. And it never never ends. There's never any satisfaction. There's never contentment. It's dissatisfaction guaranteed. And it robs us. It robs us of the joy that we could be experiencing with what we have now, irrespective of what other people around us have. Solomon says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In other words, it's better to have one handful, to have less, but with peace and contentment than it is to have two handfuls, to have seemingly everything, but to be constantly chasing after more. At the end of the day, tranquility and peace, even if you have less, is better than having more. And losing your peace, losing your tranquility, losing your sense of self as you chase after nothing, just air, is not good for us. Less is actually more when it leads to contentment. A heart at peace brings life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So when we feel tempted to compare and tempted to chase after something, when resentment creeps in over something someone else has that we don't, tangible or intangible, we need to remember that image of chasing after the wind because you cannot compete or compare your way to peace. So how do we learn to foster a heart at peace? Because it's not just about the absence of envy. We want to live out the first part of that proverb. Our heart at peace brings life to the body. And we all want life, don't we? Well, I think it involves two things. And the first one is, it involves Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're listening or watching today, I am unashamedly going to tell you that the only way to find true, unquenchable, unshakable peace in your life is through Jesus. Because it was Jesus himself that said, peace I leave with you, peace, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, Jesus can give us a peace that transcends our circumstances, a peace that is based on knowing the creator of the universe, that's based on knowing his love for us, his promise to provide and care for us, his promise to never leave us nor forsake us, his promise to fight for us. It's a peace that is based in him, not on our own strivings or attempts to provide control or manage or impress. It's a peace that's born out of contentment because we can trust that what we have will be enough and when it isn't, that God will provide. 
And I can share with you countless times that I know he's done that for me and my family and for others here in our church family. It's a peace that comes out of relationship and trust in him. A peace that comes out of knowing not only who he is, but also who we are because of him. Uniquely, wonderfully made and with our own purpose and plans to fulfil in this life. Not someone else's. When envy creeps in, we need to remember that we're not made for comparison. We are made for uniqueness. When envy creeps in, we need to remember what we want isn't always what we need and God will always provide what we need. When envy creeps in, we need to remember our worth has nothing to do with how we hold up in comparison to others, physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. When envy creeps in, we have to remember God is enough and he has a race for us to uniquely run. So firstly, finding peace, true lasting peace, involves finding and following Jesus. Then secondly, I think finding peace involves actively putting into practice the attitude of gratitude. Now, it's really easy to believe that the happy people in the world are the grateful people, because after all, they've got a lot to be grateful for. They're happy, aren't they? But actually, research shows us that the opposite is actually true. It's not happiness that makes us grateful, but it's gratefulness that makes us happy. So I've been putting this to the test this past year and I have something called a gratitude diary. And every day I list the things that I am grateful for. Some days the list is shorter than others and a lot of the time actually the same things appear on the list but it changes things for me. It shifts my perspective from the things that are going wrong and are out of my control, or sometimes they're even within my control, but they're still going wrong. And it pushes me to think about the things that I do have in my life, the things that I am grateful for. So when I'm looking at Insta and feeling so discontent with my scruffy and my messy house, I remember that I'm in the top 10% of wealthiest people in the world. I have a house over my head. I'm lucky enough to own the house, well, partly because the bank actually owns a lot of it, but I own the house over my head. When my boys are driving me mad, I remember that I love them and that I only get these moments once in their lifetime. Perspective, I'm discovering, is an incredibly powerful thing. For a highly emotional individual like myself, shifting my perspective can make all the difference from having a day when I can celebrate things in my life or a day when I can feel bogged down by those same things and feel as though I'm failing. And so practicing this attitude of gratitude, actively stopping each day, each dinner time as a family to mark and note what it is that we're grateful for. It's a discipline. It's a discipline that leads to a perspective change. It's a discipline that leads to a sense of contentment and gratitude and peace. It's a discipline that reminds me what I've been given. That reminds me that God is with me and providing for me. That the God of peace has provided, is providing and will provide all that I need. And that he brings joy, contentment and fulfilness to my life. Don't miss the life that God has for you. You'll never experience life to the full whilst you're trying to live someone else's life, run someone else's race. You'll never experience your life to the full until you focus on the life that is right in front of you. We need to stop chasing the wind and we need to remember who we are and the amazing things that we've uniquely been given. 
So that when envy starts to rear its head, and it will do, when it starts to try to take control and resentment starts to set in, we can stand up and say loudly, you are not the boss of me and I will not let envy ruin me or my relationships. Because Jesus says in him, I am enough. I choose peace. I choose to not chase after the wind, but instead to celebrate all that's in front of me here and now. And you know what? When we do that, it leaves us free to celebrate life, our own and the lives of others. It leaves us free to love one another, to serve one another without agenda, resentment or any kind of envy. Don't let envy rule your life today. I'm going to pray for us now before the band is going to lead us in some worship. Lord, I want to thank you so much that you created each of us uniquely, that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. Lord, I thank you that you will provide everything that we need and we don't need to look over our fence or look at our friend or look at our family member and strive for what they have. Instead, you speak over us that you have a life for us and a purpose uniquely for us. So Lord, when we find that that envy is creeping in, would you remind us that chasing after those things is just like chasing after the wind? Would you remind us that you love us, that you are the God that created the world and you say that you are enough and that you will provide all that we need? Help us, Lord, to remember who you are and who you created us to be. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.